How is everybody? Yeah, good. I'm recovering a little bit from last night. My beloved Florida Gators lost by one shot. But they played great, and the other team just played a little better. And so uh got to mention them, though, since I'm at East Point's only church I can get away with that, talking about the Gators every week. But, uh, but anyway, today I want to talk about something more important than basketball. It's about um, staying connected with God, and it's about personal renewal. And the reason personal renewal is so important is because life is hard. And because when we go through life and we live in a fallen world and bad things can happen and, you know, we don't get enough sleep and we got work and then something breaks and then, you know, it can just drag you down. And sometimes as a Christian, we forget that we got to recharge, we got to rejuice. And when we get tired, we go to bed at night, right? And if we get enough sleep, we feel better in the morning. But do you know that your soul gets tired? That your soul can become weary? And that you can become weak uh, spiritually. Well, it's God's plan that together we would get recharged. And that's part of what we're doing this morning is gathering together and recharging our soul and spirit. But we also do that personally. And there are some key components that we need to understand that can help us stay charged and fired up and healthy. Well, in 2003, an old pastor made a list of about 15 young pastors. And he saw these young guys as, you know, very impactful. Their ministries were growing. They were impacting a lot of people. And so this old guy, he says, I got to start praying for these guys because they're young. They don't have experience. And so he started praying for them every day. They had no clue. And uh, he prayed for them every day. And he said, five years later, half of them were out of ministry. They burned out, flamed out, you know. It's hard. You know, life's hard. And uh, he said, but he kept praying for the, for the, you know, for them. And he said, within another five years, ten years into it, only two of the 15 remained. Moral failure, physical exhaustion, you know, just burn out. You name it. And, and. The reason I tell you this is these were like the most successful, up-and-coming, spiritually gifted young guys, you know, in the church. And the reason I tell you that story is if that's true of them, then it could also be true of each one of us, right? And you got to understand that, that in the church, in the body of Christ, you don't have the pastors up here and everybody else down here, but we're all important. You're just as important as anybody else. And Paul tells that. It's very clear in the Bible when he talks about the gifts. And so let's do this. Raise your hand if you're a Christian. Okay. Raise your hand if you're a minister. Everybody raise their hand. Everybody raise your hand. Because if you're a Christian, you're a minister. And everybody has a ministry. Every believer is a ministry. And here's the thing. Ministry is not some 50-yard dash where you just take off running fast and, you know, it's all over. Ministry is a marathon. And so if it's a marathon, you have to have strategy and you've got to know how to run the race and pace yourself, take care of yourself, hydrate. I mean, it's, it's easy to start well. It takes more than desire to finish well in the ministry race. I've been doing it for golly, about 18 years. That's when I met uh, Bill, when I first got involved in ministry. And I've seen many people come to Christ. 
Many people get involved in church, get serious about God, have their lives transformed, and then just quit. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're, they're three, four years in, you know, their lives are being changed. Things are, they're having an impact on the kingdom of God on other lives. And then all of a sudden, just boom, they're gone and they leave. And, and I hate to say this, but that's the majority of the people that I've seen come to Christ and come to the church. And sadly, here's the sad thing about that. If they never return, now God's going to be after them the whole time. The hound of heaven's going to be searching them down and trying to get them back. But if they never return, then they'll never experience all God wants them to experience. And they'll never accomplish, God will never accomplish all he wants to accomplish through them to everybody else. Because remember, we are what? The body of Christ. We're his hands and feet. When Jesus left and went back, he said, now he handed us the torch. And he said, now you go. I'm going to be up here. I'm going to be praying for, you know, Jesus is praying for us 24-7, empowering us, giving us all that we need. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have instruction. But we're it. And if we don't do it, guess what? I don't know how he's going to do it, but we're his plan A. And you know what plan B is? There is no plan B. So it's us. And I don't want to put too much pressure on you guys. Oh, Lee, it's on us. Yeah. But we have to understand that if it is on us, then we've got to take care of ourselves. We've got to take care of each other. And we've got to make sure we run this race well and not just flame out and burn out. It's all about community. It's all about purpose. It's all about being a part of something bigger than just yourself. And when, you know, and I want to say this, when you start out in ministry, and you guys are all in ministry, because I see what you do every Sunday when y'all are out. That's ministry. And when you start out in ministry, let me just say this. It's okay to make mistakes early. It's fine to make mistakes early. Here's what you don't want to happen. Remember a few years back, the New England Patriots, when they were so good? Remember when they won every single game in the regular season? And then every game in the playoffs until the Super Bowl? And then they lost. Well, that doesn't need, want to be, you don't want that to be your strategy when it comes to ministry, okay? You want to have your losses early, okay? And, and then, you know, not be hounded by the perfection model. If you watch a marathon race, you'll see that they all start together and there's like hundreds of guys running together. But after a while, what happens? The crowd kind of thins out, right? And the ones who are leading at the beginning of the race often don't finish. Well, what's the key to finishing well? You have to have a strategy. If you just go at it with no guidance, no strategy, you'll never make it. And listen, ministry is a team sport. You need others cheering you on, others handing you water, even running for you at times when you need a break. But even when others fail you, and they will from time to time, there's something that will keep you on the right track, and it's this, personal renewal, reconnecting with the God. And our timeless truth is this, the most important discipline in the life of a believer is personal renewal. And ministry is pressure-filled. Ministry has opposition. Okay, it's difficult, but it's our call from God. And the church is the hands and the feet. We're the body of Christ. And if you look at our nation and you wonder what happened to us morally as a nation, because if you look at our nation, do you guys think moral standards are going up and up and up? Or do you think moral standards are going down and down? It's pretty obvious, isn't it? 
We see it every day and we wonder. But you know what happened to the moral standard of our nation? All you have to do is look at the church. See, the church became something it was never intended to be. You get a few paid professionals, we call them pastors, encouraging a group to A, attend a service, B, maybe give some money, and C, be blessed. Come together, attend a service, give a little money, be blessed. And what happens is oftentimes people, Christians, never discover their call from God, their gifting, what they're good at, never coming together to be a blessing to others. They're just a bless me click. And most people get, you know, they come to Christ and they think, well, I've got everything there is in the Christian life. They get baptized. And then watch this. If they start serving, bam, I've noticed they disappear. Why? Well, listen. As long as all you're doing is sitting in a service, then you're not much of an opposition to the enemy. But when you start coming together and and serving and discovering your gifts, there's opposition. And it starts getting hard. You start stepping into the realm of ministry and opposition rears its ugly head. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that. But it happens. And if anyone knows about this and how we make it through ministry and through the hard things that life throws on us, it's the Apostle Paul who just went through time after time and difficulty after difficulty in ministry. And I mean, people were after him and they were trying to kill him and stone him and snakes are biting him and shipwrecked. I mean, you read the stories, it's unbelievable. But somehow through it all, the Apostle Paul was able to make it. And so today, I just want to take a little bit of time and look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and what Paul wrote about this. And in this, I think we can get some understanding of how we can endure the pressures of ministry um, as he did. I'm going backwards now. One of these days I'll learn this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as I said, the most important discipline in the life of a believer is personal renewal. But he starts off by saying this, 2 Corinthians 4.1. Paul says this, therefore, since we have this ministry, that's all of us, we all have a ministry, everybody's a ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. He goes on to say that he doesn't change God's word or trick anyone, they just simply tell it like it is. This is who you are, this is called what you do, you know. But here's the key to this this thing. He says, therefore, since we have this ministry, as we received mercy, we do not lose heart. Mercy is the key there. You've got to understand, you've received so much grace. And when you understand and receive God's mercy, it keeps you going when things get tough. It really does. And he says, he goes on to say, you know, ministry, the results of ministry are entirely up to God. And then he goes on to say this in verse 8. We are, check this out. This is what happens when you get involved in ministry. Here's the opposition. We are pressed on every side by troubles. This is the Apostle Paul. This is the church. This is me and you. But we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are, check this out, hunted down. And he knew that. But never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. He says, we are pressed on every side. In other words, if you're a football person, you're back in that pocket and man, it's collapsing. The pocket is collapsing. 
but you never get sacked. Why? Because God's with you and God's got you as long as you're continuing to connect with him. It's a really cool thing. He goes on to say, we are perplexed. In other words, there will be times in ministry you don't have a clue. Why is this happening? Why is this going on? What's going on? You know? In fact, the Greek word here is to be stretched like a rubber band. We're being, we're being perplexed. We're being stretched. And he goes on to say this. We're perplexed but not driven to despair. Why are we not driven to despair? Why? Because we know. We know. We don't know when, where, how, or why, but we know what? Who? We know him personally. And so because we're connected to him, we do not despair. We are hunted down, it says right here. It's a great translation. Some translations will say persecuted. And he says this, even though we're hunted down, we're never alone. God is with us. And then in the end, I love this last sentence. We get knocked down, but are not destroyed. We get knocked down, but I get up again. That ain't never going to keep me. You know, you know, guys know that song? I get knocked down. Yeah, I'm not very good at singing it. But I get knocked down, but I get up again. You ain't never going to keep me down. Isn't that true of life? And isn't that true of ministry? And what Paul's saying is, man, yeah, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to bruise your knee. You're going to get skin. You're going to lose some skin. It's going to happen. It's going to hurt. But guess what? God will carry you through it all. But you've got to keep connected to him. You've got to make sure that you're connected to him. And you might ask this. You might ask, why? Why does God allow us to, do, to go through that? Why doesn't he just make it easy for us when we come to him? It's a good question. I don't know if any of you know about codfish. But codfish, when we hear that, and you're from Florida, and you hear codfish, oh, yeah, I'm thinking, you know, Long John Silver's or something, you know, codfish, you know. It's all right. But did you know that codfish, when it's fresh, is one of the best fish you'll ever eat? I mean, it's flaky. It's just the texture's great. The flavor's great. When it gets frozen, it loses its texture and flavor and everything. And I'll give you a little fast food tip. I've learned this. My daughter works at Wendy's. Wendy's has a seasonal codfish. They have it right now. And let me tell you something. That's the best fast food sandwich you'll ever eat. They ship it, you know, and it's fresh and they cook it fresh and it's just great fresh. Well, years ago... They didn't have the shipping that they have today. And this guy realized, man, if I could get codfish down south fresh, man, I could make a lot of money. Because it's terrible when it's frozen. So he had this great business idea. And he put all these saltwater tanks on these boats so that they could put codfish in and ship them alive. So that then they would have the fish alive and fresh and they could sell them and everybody would go, wow, have codfish. Well, it seemed, seemed like a good idea. They invested hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, I'm not sure, into this business. But there was a problem. You see, when the codfish was in these salt tanks, they just kind of, they didn't really swim around. They just kind of sat there. And I guess codfish are like people. They just got kind of mushy when they don't exercise. So the texture of the fish and the flavor of the fish, even though it was still alive, was lost. And it didn't work. 
Well, he was kind of bummed out because he'd spent all this money and this business plan that was so great was not going to work. So he called in an expert. And the expert came in and thought about, okay, how can we overcome this? Well, the codfish has a natural predatory enemy. It's a saltwater catfish that eats the codfish and preys on the codfish. And this expert thought, if I put three or four of these catfish in each and every tank, it will keep the codfish alert and swimming around. And guess what? It worked. And the guy's business was saved and transformed because he had that enemy in there, you know, and it kept him alert. Listen, we're like codfish. We are. See, God has to keep us alert and awake and active. And somehow in God's, and I don't understand it all. I don't pretend to understand it all. But somehow in God's great sovereignty, he uses the enemy to keep us alert and to keep us together. Watch this. To keep us dependent on each other and on God. If it was just easy, we would drift further and further away and we would not be who we're supposed to be. So God allows this to come at us, but we don't despair. We don't lose heart because we have him and we have each other. And we have to understand this and go back to him and have personal renewal day in and day out. Paul understood this better than any of us because he went through more than any of us. And yet he came out clean. And the key to him coming out clean was personal renewal. Let's skip forward and look at what he says in verse 16. He says, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, here's Paul's key, our spirits are being what? Renewed every day. Personal renewal. How do you do it? Read the Bible? Pray? Well, yes and no. I mean, it's a good way to do personal renewal. But if you do it out of duty or guilt, or you do it for approval or performance, it'll never renew your spirit. You'll just get more tired. Listen, you do it for relationship because you love it, because you love him and you want to be close to him. How? Well, Paul models this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And there are five truths that I get out of this that I have to get my arms around in order for my personal quiet time with God to be renewing. And step number one is this. I have to learn to enjoy the grace of God. I have to learn to enjoy it. Let's go back to verse 1. He says this. Therefore, since we have this ministry... As we received mercy, we do not lose heart. So the first reason I don't give in or give up is because it's all by grace. I have this ministry because of grace. And oftentimes Satan will whisper to you, you're not good enough. (laughs) You did this. (laughs) You can't be involved in ministry. I know about, and we know about our stuff and our junk and how we fail. And Satan tries to point the finger at you because he's the accuser. And what Paul's saying is, no, 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 remember grace. Remember mercy. Remember that and celebrate that. You have to understand that anything God does through you or for you is by grace through faith. Grace is this. God knew every stupid thing I was going to do. Before I did it, and he still chose me and still called me. And guess what? God knew every stupid thing you were going to do too 
before he chose you and before he called you into ministry. But he still called us anyway. Why? Grace. Mercy. But do we celebrate that? Do every day when I do my personal renewal, do I go, golly, do I sit there and go, oh man, I messed up. I got angry. I was a jerk to my wife, which I am sometimes. You know, do, do I say that and beat myself up and allow, or do I go, man, I have grace. I have mercy. Maybe I need to apologize. Maybe I need to, but I'm going to celebrate every single day of my life. I'm going to celebrate grace. He says this in John, this is John fifteen sixteen. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain so that whatever you ask of my father in my name, he may give to you. Listen, I don't deserve to be saved, much less in ministry. I'm a trophy of grace, and so are you. And that's the key, and that's what we have to understand. And if you don't get this one, you'll get stuck in the performance trap of ministry. And you'll get burnt out. You won't make it to the end. But when you learn to enjoy the grace of God, you are freed from the performance trap. You learn. Watch this. You learn it's not about what you do. It's about whose you are. Did you get that? See, we think in ministry, oh, I got to do this, 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 and this. I'm going to do a great sermon today at East Point. It's going to be awesome, man. I'm going to... No, it's not about what I do. It's about whose I am. I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, guess what? I'm good. And every day, that's the personal renewal. I have to remember, man, okay, I'm in Jesus. Okay, I'm in Jesus. I have grace. No weapon formed against me can prosper because I have him and he's my father. And we have to celebrate this day and day in and day out. And it will give you the power. It will give you the juice. It will give you what you need because you're freed from this performance trap. Another benefit of enjoying God's grace is I don't have to wallow in my failures because, again, like I said, God already knew all the stuff I was going to do, and he chose me anyway. And some of you, listen, a lot of us are called to do ministry that are behind-the-scenes kind of ministry, you know? Like nobody ever really notices, you think? So a lot of times people think, well, it's not very important. Let me explain something to you. Never confuse prominence with importance my nose is pretty prominent right it is right you can see it right it's very out in the open but it's not really that important medically speaking i could lose my nose and still live you're like you'd look funny but yeah but i could still live without my nose my aortic heart valve that is a bovine that was replaced i have a uh, um cow valve causes me to move now and again it's the only thing but my cow valve you can't see it it's not prominent but it's very important without it i can't even live and so don't ever think wow my ministry's not that prominent so it must not be that important absolutely not vitally important very significant and people have a tendency to think they don't matter so they never you know sometimes they'll never even search for their place in ministry and the church ends up suffering without them you know if you ever wonder how much you matter in this whole thing if you ever wonder oh man i don't think i matter too much to jesus i want you to know this that this is how much jesus loves you this much 
this much. I remember when my daughter was little, I'd go, Anna, how much does daddy love Anna? And Anna would go, so much, daddy, so much. She would put her arms out. You know, when I think about Jesus, I think that's what Jesus says to each and every one of you. He goes, you know how much you matter to me? This much. This much. With nails through his hands and his feet. He says, this is how much you matter to me. Each and every one of us. We have to remember that mercy, what he did for us. As we go to Palm Sunday and Easter, God, Jesus says, if you ever wonder, Jesus loves you this much. And the cross demonstrates this. And we have to celebrate that every single day. You see, when you embrace God's love and his grace, it'll change you. You'll accept your call to ministry. And listen, if you're already in ministry, if you embrace this, it'll just change your ministry. And the Bible teaches us that God created every universe. Everything was created by God. We talked about this the last time I was here, about God creating everything. He created all the universes so he could create the Milky Way, so he could create our solar system, so he could create the earth. Why? So he could create you. That's how important you are to him. And he died for you. And he loves you. That's how much you matter to God. Don't ever let the other voices in. He loves you. And until you settle this truth, you'll struggle with self-worth and performance trap issues. Proverbs 29, 25 says this. It says, fearing people is a dangerous trap, but trusting the Lord means safety. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any more. There's nothing you can do to make God love you any less. He loves you on your good days and your bad days. He loves you when you knock it out of the park. And he loves you when you strike out. Because watch this. His love is not based on your performance. His love is based on his character. Very important to understand. God's love is, we think performance. If I do really good, somebody will love me. That's how we we operate because we're fallen beings. But God goes, no, my love for you is not based on your performance. It's based on my character. And God's character is perfect. He loves you perfectly every day, no matter what you do. You've got to celebrate that. You've got to accept that. You've got to know that. You've got to own that. That's personal renewal. And then all the enemy's voices are like, that's not true. That's not true. Jesus loved me. He died for me. I'm his child. I'm going to keep, yeah, I messed up. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. I'm going to keep moving on in his strength, personal renewing my spirit and my soul day in and day out. Till you settle this, you won't make it in ministry. You'll always struggle. Get the love of God. Receive it. It's a free gift. John eight thirty two says this. This is words of Jesus. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. That truth that God loves you, that you have mercy, that you have grace will set you free. And you don't have to do the performance trap thing anymore. You can just live in that freedom. Run in that freedom. Embrace it. Let it transform you. Listen, it's the most powerful force in the universe, the love of God. And as a pastor, I don't want to see 80% of the church missing this like I see it. I'm just tired of the devil winning out on this issue and lying to people. So be who God designed you to be. Watch this, by learning to enjoy his grace. It's the most important thing I'm going to tell you today. It's point number one. Now points two through five, don't get nervous. I'm going to buzz through them really, really quick. I just wanted, this is the most important thing. I just, if you don't get anything else... 
Get the love of God. Get the mercy of God. Get grace. Understand, it's what makes Christianity different from every other religion. The second thing to do that will help you in ministry, run the race, the marathon, is be authentic. Man, once you get grace, you don't have to hide or pretend or, you know, you can just be authentic. You'll never last in ministry if you're faking it, okay? You have to be yourself. You have to be transparent. We all mess up. Everybody does. And I tell you what, I wish that everyone could hear pastors, groups confess to one another. Because let me tell you, it sounds just like any other group confessing to one another. Everybody messes up. Okay? But don't fall for the trap of, I have to pretend. And too many people start out in ministry trying to be something they're not. Living for the expectations of others. But being inauthentic is stressful. You always have to fear being exposed. And you'll end up just blowing it. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians uh, 4 verse 2. He says, but we have turned away from secret and shameful ways. We don't use trickery. We don't change the teaching of God. We teach the truth plainly. This is how we show people who we are. And this is how they can know in their hearts what kind of people we are before God. Paul is saying, I was transparent, warts and all. What you see is what you get. Listen, you don't have to be perfect to be really effective in ministry. You do have to be honest. Honest with yourself and honest with other people. You don't have to be perfect to be used by God, but you do have to be authentic. Now listen, I'm a very, very flawed man. And that is an understatement. You just ask my kids, my wife. I mean, I'm a, I'm a very flawed man. And uh, most people at churches, they kind of know my weaknesses because I just kind of talk about them. Let's see, you know, just get it out there. But um, here's the thing I want you to understand. Obvious, visible imperfection in ministry is not a bad thing. It's, it's, a, it's a good thing because I'll tell you why. Because other people who are seekers will come up and go, golly, if God can use that guy, <laughs> you know, maybe he can use me too. I've had people say that. Lenny, do you think God? Of course he can. Listen, if God needed perfect people, and to do ministry, there wouldn't be any ministry, you know? So you just put it out there. You have to, you have to decide, am I going to impress people or influence people? You have to decide that. In order to influence people, you have to let them get close and they see the imperfections. And when you walk authentically with God, it gets better every year. And when you don't, it gets harder every year. And you can wear out and fall out. Point number three I want to give you is this. So we embrace his grace, his love, his mercy. That's the most important thing. That allows us to walk authentically. But here's the thing you got to remember about ministry. It's not about you. <laughs> you know, you got to remember it's not about you. If you want to last in ministry. If you miss this step, one of two things will happen. You'll get bitter. You know, you'll take things personally. Sometimes, uh, Maybe like Bill might make a suggestion to your ministry. And, and, and if you're not getting this, if you don't remember, it's not about you. You might get, oh, whoa, whoa, you know, you might get offended. You know, all of a sudden you think it's a personal attack. You have to remember it's not about you or Satan will have a field day with this. When we work together, when we're holding one another account, accountable. Uh, the second thing will happen if you don't get this is you'll become prideful. 
Maybe your ministry starts to have real impact on people. And maybe you'll do what all of us in ministry have done. You'll start thinking, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one who's... No, it's never you who's doing real ministry work. It's always Jesus doing it through you. You just have to embrace this. I was in a coaching network uh, years ago, and my coach has this huge ministry. I mean, he planted this church, and it just grew and grew, and like thousands of people, and so now he's known, and he gets to coach other pastors and stuff. And one day he was telling us, he goes, this elder who's been with us for like 20 years came up to me, and the elder told him, Ron, last Friday I prayed for you. And I'm thinking, whoop-de-doo, some elder prayed for his pastor. He goes, I prayed for you for eight hours. And I went, oh, (laughs) you know what I mean? And Ron, our coach, said this. He goes, you know, I'll probably get to heaven, and Jesus will probably be like, (laughs) yeah, it wasn't you. (laughs) Wasn't your speaking ability or leadership gifts. He goes, yeah, it was that dude over there that prayed for eight hours, or, you know, this group over here behind the scenes things nobody sees remember when we do ministry it's never about you it's not about me it's about you who's it about it's about him it's his ministry we were created by him for him and uh we got to remember this paul knew this it was one of the keys he said this in verse five you see we don't go preaching about ourselves We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord, and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. That's the key. We don't do it for our sake. We do it for Jesus' sake. If you do it for anything else other than Jesus' sake, you won't make it through the race. You'll burn out. You gotta always do it for Jesus' sake. If it's to impress people, if it's so that you can get some attaboys, you're not gonna last in ministry. Always has to be for him. And then, number four, you've got to accept your human limitations. We're human beings. We're fallen beings. The quickest way to burn out in ministry is to be Superman, to do everything. And, you know, it feels good to be acknowledged. But you're not doing it for the approval of others. You're doing it for Jesus' sake. And he made us with limitations. very wise saying I'm going to share with you um, is this. To be good at nothing, do everything. That was written by an anonymous local pastor, philosopher, church planter, drummer. I don't know his name, but yeah. But I had to learn this the hard way, guys. To be good at nothing, do everything. That's my weakness. That's what I always, Satan tries to get me back into trying to do everything. I'll play drums, I'll preach, I'll throw, I'll. And then you get burnt out because we got to understand we have limitations. Paul says this in verse 7. He says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves, as human beings, are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure, Christ's love, His Spirit. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not ourselves. I remember one of my uh, mentors teaching me when I first got in ministry. He goes, listen, if, if Satan can't get you to quit doing it, he'll try to push you so hard you're ineffective. And several times I found myself right there. You've got to know your limitations and warning signs that you're overextended. And one of mine is irritability. 
when I'm too burnt out and tired and yours might, yours might manifest in a different way. But for me, I'm just irritable. I'm like, uh, and it's just because I'm too tired. I'm doing too much. And, you know, and I got to remember, okay, I have limitations. I need to rest. I need to do less. When I started out in ministry, I denied my weaknesses. I hid them. I thought guys like Bill and Orlando wouldn't respect me if they saw all my stuff. Do you know what I do now? Because it didn't work. (laughs) I glory in my weaknesses. I'm like, you know, I can't do this very well. You know what? Here's here's the important thing to, to understand this and to do this. Because you know what? It's not God's plan that I do everything. We're the body of Christ. I can't do electrical work. Charlie can do electrical work. I don't know how it works. I can't do everything. I don't, you know. And the part of God's plan is that we would all come together. Everybody plays a little part. And together, our weaknesses will make him glorified and make the church actually stronger. You got to glory in your weaknesses. Accept your limitation. Listen, God does some of the most amazing things in the weakest vessels so that we know where the power comes from. Know your limitations and set boundaries. And then lastly, and this is important too. First, you got to receive the grace and mercy and then be authentic and do everything out of love when it comes to ministry. Do everything out of love. If you don't love people, you will never be effective in ministry. You start out by loving your family and the people that are right around you. He says this in verse 15. All of this is for your benefit. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be great thanksgiving. And God will receive more and more glory. You see, you do ministry out of love for people. And as you embrace his love, it flows through you to others. There's no, listen, there's no other reason for ministry than love. No other reason. There are far better ways to make money And a lot more of it than in ministry, right? There are far better ways to get attention than ministry. There are many superior ways of garnering garnering approval from others than ministry. The only reason to do ministry is for the love of people. If it's for any other reason, you're missing the point. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such a faith I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained what? Nothing. Nothing. One day, we'll stand before God. And if you have a relationship with Jesus, then guess what? All your sins will be forgiven. But here's the other part that you don't hear so much about. For believers, we pass the first judgment. We get 100%. None of your sins are held against you. But know this, there's a second judgment for believers, and it's this. What did you do with the free gift I extended to you? What did you do? Did you use it? Do we use our gifts for God's glory? Do we come together? Do we run the race? Do we do ministry? And it's very important. And here's the thing, and I'll close with this. Ministry's hard. 
You will get hurt. You will get beat up. It will be difficult. But if you can embrace God's love in each other and just do like Paul did, be authentic, know your limitations, do it out of love, then listen, one day we're going to gather together as a family with him. And man, we're going to tell some stories. Man, that's going to be a good day. Pray with me. Father, I thank you so much that you've given us this amazing call. Father, I thank you that you use us, Lord, that you loved us, you died for us, but you called us, Lord, to be your hands and feet. Lord, help us to be your hands and feet. Empower us. Help us to embrace your love every day with personal renewal. Just receiving your mercy and extending it. Lord, help us to be authentic. Help us to know our limitations, Lord. Don't let us fall for the performance trap. But let us do it all for Jesus' sake. For love for others. For God, first you loved us. And you've called us as a group of people to love others. We need your help. We need your power. We need your mercy. Remind us, Holy Spirit, every day that it's all about you. And may we be renewed in this strength for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.